I waddled over to Crystal's. So Crystal and I live across the street from each other now. We do. Um, so I waddled over to Crystal in my pajama pants, my fuzzy Crocs, and my my comfy, uh, with my hair in a mess. It's so, so she's so cute though. Also, are those your new glasses? Yes, they are. They are cute. Thank you. Where'd you get them? Um, a place off of Four Ave. Oh, did you end up getting them from the place that Amanda sent you to? Yeah. Yeah, they're cute. I yeah, like them I a like lot. them a lot as well. Um, and the blue. Did you get the blue light filters in them? Yes. Good. And it is a lifesaver. Yeah. It makes such a difference whenever you're looking at a computer screen, as I say, while I'm not wearing my glasses. But I don't know where I put them, so I think they're also in the living room. They also, I need a new prescription, so, like, wearing them is either, like, it's not always as helpful <clears throat> as it should be. It sometimes ends up doing more <clears throat> harm than good. Right. Um, so before we get started, I have a quick, um, if we were My Favorite Murder, we'd call it a corrections corner. But we're not, so I won't. <clears throat> Apparently, last week's episode, we were talking about kids in the 70s and the 80s going home alone from school. Um, you know, Amanda texts us. I mm-hmm. used the term turnkey kid when I should have said latchkey kid. Um, turnkey is a description of a house that is ready to move in. Like you oh, put the key in, turn okay, it, and you're yeah. ready to go. And I just think that's a result of my obsessive scrolling through Zillow. Um, that I said turnkey instead of latchkey, but that's, that's that. So if you listen to last week's episode and you're like, these guys are dumb. Um, another thing about last week's episode, I was 100% joking about Courtney Love being Carol Oh my God. I can't believe we even have to say that. I got, I think in the time that that episode has dropped, I have gotten six different text messages relating to the Carol Baskin and Courtney Love comment. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you that I do not actually think that Courtney loves Carol Baskins. I as much as I would love for that conspiracy theory to be true, it's not. No. And did they both kill their husband? Yes. yes. But are they definitely two different people? Yes. Yes. And if you couldn't tell that we were kidding, I know like my cousin texted me and she was like, what I learned this week is that Carol Baskin is actually Courtney Love. And I was like Wait, what? And she's like, I'm kidding. I totally knew that was a joke. So, like, I'm sure some people thought it was a joke, but apparently that's, like, an actual conspiracy theory that people believe. And I got a text message from a girl that I went to college with that I didn't even know listened to our podcast or had my phone number. Um, She texted me and she was like, hey, girl, it's so-and-so. And I thought it was about to be, like, a Mary Kay thing. And she was like, I am just, like, wanting to say, because you're, like, a really big proponent of not spreading misinformation that you really shouldn't be making jokes about Courtney Love and Carol Baskin being the same person. And I was like... Could you not take the joke, my guy? I literally did the big gasp and everything, and then I'm, like, hysterically laughing. I, it, but anyway, I, I didn't think we'd have to say that, but since we apparently do, we don't actually believe they're the same person. But do I believe that both of them killed their husbands? Yes, absolutely. As much as, and, and would I really love for them to be the same person? Also, yes. It, if you're listening to this, it is either the day after or two days after Valentine's Day, so happy Valentine's Day. We love you. Um, but because of that... We are going to do a on-theme podcast um, that is mostly history, but, like, kind of true crime, if you consider, consider like, gang activity um, to be true crime or, like, mob activity. But I, I thought it was more history-based, yeah. which is kind of what we wanted to do. We've been very true crime-heavy lately, so I wanted it to be kind of, like, more history, but then it was, like, still murder. So who knows? But what we're going to be talking about is the Valentine's Day Massacre. Um, <clears throat> if you don't know what it is, buckle up. Here we go. I'm going to go ahead and cite my shit. I used the history.com article titled Just St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Um, I didn't get a whole lot of information from themobmuseum.org, but I did get um, 
I do mention it later because there, there's some stuff that's important about it later on that we'll talk about. Let's go ahead and set the scene. It's 1929, Valentine's Day in Chicago, Illinois. The Great Depression hasn't quite started yet, but we are on our way there. Um, gang warfare was out of control in the 1920s, particularly due to the actions in the late 1920s from Al Capone as he began targeting his competition in illegal activities like bootlegging, prostitution, and gambling. Hashtag prohibition. <laughs> um, it's cold because it's February in Chicago and there's a little garage at 2122 North Clark Street in a residential neighborhood of the city where a group of sketchy boys are hanging out. The culmination of gang violence in the city is about to come to a peak here in this garage where seven of the men gathered here who are notably connected to the Irish gangster George Bugs Moran, which we will come back to, um, are gunned down and killed by several men who are dressed in police gear. This became known as the, uh, it, that's not really that important, but it kind of is. Um, this became known as the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, and although there were many rumors that it was the work of Al Capone, it actually remains an unsolved crime to this day. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know that. I, I knew, didn't know that either. I knew a lot of things about the massacre, but I didn't realize that it had never actually been. I mean, I knew it wasn't pinned on Al Capone because I know how Al Capone went down, which we will get into. This episode is like... It's Valentine's Day Massacre, but it's also quite a bit about Al Capone. Because the Valentine's Day Massacre, it was a big deal, but like... There's not much to it other than, like, there were these guys, they died onward and upward. They don't know who did it. But there's a lot about Al Capone. So, like, the this episode is, like, kind of, co- like, it's, 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 you get a twofer, a twofer for you. Because um, if it was just going to be a Valentine's Day Massacre episode, that, it would be, like, 15 minutes long. I was going to say, that would have been it. Uh, cut. See you guys next week. Well, there was a little bit more. There was a dog involved, but we'll get to that. How oh, <clears throat> Does a dog die? No. I will okay. go ahead and tell you the dog doesn't die. Thank you. Um, because I will cry. Yeah, no, the dog doesn't die. Um, so, fun fact before we get into anything. Um, one of Fox's relatives, I want to say his aunt. I think it's his mom's aunt. So, maybe his great aunt. I can't quite remember. Um... But someone who he is directly related to, uh, like blood related to, um, used to work for Al Capone as a secretary. Very interesting. I know. <laughs> whenever, whenever his mom was here. Um, so my boyfriend's mom just spent about nine days at our house yeah, staying like with us. Or nine days. or day, ten days. The trip got cut a little bit short. She got here early because of fear of bad weather and then she left early because of bad weather. So I think all in all it turned out to be about nine days. But anyway, she was staying with us for a little over a week. And I was talking to her about, or I, I had said, oh, I'm not going to be home right now this day because I'm going to do podcast stuff with Megan. And she's like, oh, what are you doing? Um, which I don't think she actually listens to the podcast, but she shows like a very keen interest in it, at least. Yeah. So like, that's that's nice. Well, we used to record <clears throat> in her basement, so. Yeah, that's right. Whenever I was living with them for a little while. After I moved out, she, well, I I never really moved in in. It like, yeah. it's weird. I had my own apartment, but because of COVID, she thought it was safer for like all of us to be together. Right. right? So I, quote, moved in with them. Meaning that I brought my cats with me. <laughs> so, like, that was important. But I still had my own apartment. But whenever I, like, went back to living at my apartment full time, she actually offered us the use of her basement still because of my crazy neighbors. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, my God. Which also... Hashed, uh, throwback to uh, pre- <laughs> our beginning podcast phase when we had to edit out, like, literally 20 minutes of her neighbor's Freaking just yelling screaming at each other. At each other. The f- one time we actually had to just stop recording, I think. Yeah. Because we- it was so bad. You could hear it so loudly. I, they, I Listen, I think a lot about them. Oh, wait. Really quickly. Hi, parents. Oh, yeah. Good morning, parents. Actually, I don't even think I need to say good morning, parents anymore. Because I think I realized yesterday that my dad doesn't actually listen to this podcast Good anymore. morning, 
Crystal's mom. <laughs> good morning. My dad doesn't listen either. So good morning, my mom. Good morning to my my stepdad. Uh, my Aww, aunt. Jason listens. Yeah. I, I have a I have a long list of people. So hi. Also hi to my new friend that I just made on Overwatch. Thank Ooh, you for carrying me. Your Smurf friend. Yeah. I want to play with him so that I can play competitive. <laughs> Dude, my games have been going so poorly, and then I really? just so happened to match up with them, and I was like, "There is a god, and this is the Overwatch god that I needed because right. they're big brain." Also, I keep having dreams about the forest. No! Yeah, nope. dude. Nope. I've played so much, though. Like, that nope. day that we all played... Sorry, I'm, like, popping my fingers. It's okay. Um, but the day that we all played, uh, I think Devin and I played for, like, eight hours. Oh, my God. It was going on eight <clears> hours, <throat> so I've just been dreaming about it the last two nights. No. No. I was really scared that I was going to have... What? Do you hear, like, how weird my voice sounds right now? Do you now? hear mine? Yeah. Are we both getting COVID? I think we're... Oh, God. COVID 2.0. What are we talking about? Oh, the forest. I'm... So so out of it today um i tried to make my tea this morning to get my caffeine and then i realized that i was out of creamer so i tried putting oat milk in it and it was not good wait you put tea or you wait 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 hold on back up you uh-huh. put creamer in your tea yeah not not in all of it but in some of it yeah i'm shook really anytime that i drink it's hot tea mm-hmm. anytime that i drink hot tea i usually only drink with a little bit of sugar, not much at all, mm-hmm. and honey. I don't know how to explain it. I have a lot of teas that I don't, like, I don't put it in, like, green tea or anything like that, but if I'm chai I'm tea, shook. chai tea, or um, okay. sometimes if I'm drinking, like, Earl Grey or English breakfast, I'll throw a little bit in. Not all the time. I do, like, those two both just black, but... I was gonna say, I'm shook, because I can drink, I like black coffee. Okay. So, I mean, I also drink flavored things, but mm-hmm. I don't mind black coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I like the, the bitter taste of the teas. Mm-hmm. So, you just, you just, my yeah. mind is like blown. Yeah, no, I mean, I drink tea black as well, but especially chai tea. Like, I have like a cinnamon dolce creamer that I love in my chai tea because it's just like, it's so nice. It's... I love hot tea. That's something that I need to start investing more in is mm. hot tea. God, and honey. Mm. I have so much, so much tea. My favorite thing is Earl Grey with um, honey and just like a little bit of lemon juice. Mm. So good. That the oh so good. Uh, anyways, anyways. <laughs> back to back to murder. Oh yeah, we were talking about oh how Fox's whoever relative used to work for Al Capone. Um, oh and and Teresa was like. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She just, like, super casually, I was like, oh, I'm doing this episode on the Valentine's Day Massacre. And she's like, oh, the one in Chicago? Because she grew up in Chicago. Right. South side? North side? I don't know. Sorry, I've been watching a lot of Shameless. Oh, I have no idea. I, I didn't even have to mention Al Capone. She just brought it up. She was, like, super casually like, oh, yeah, um, Michael so-and-so used to work as a secretary for Al Capone. And I was like, I- I'm sorry. But, like, she said it so chilly. And she was crocheting at the time. Right. Um, so she was crocheting. The I something was... that you just casually bring up. Yeah. yeah his, his great aunt used to be Al Capone's secretary. Yep. And then just keep working on her. She didn't blanket. even like look up. She was sitting on the, the rocking chair that we have out there and I was sitting on the couch. She was crocheting and I was cross stitching. You know, we were being little old ladies together. We were watching like something on the Hallmark channel, I think. Oh God. Yeah. It, it was. You there, definitely went full. There was a type happening. <laughs> All right. Listen, one of my guilty pleasures is Hallmark. Just period. Like, the Hallmark yeah. movies are some of my favorite things ever. Um, Hallmark Christmas movies, Hallmark Valentine's Day movies. I don't care what it is. I love it. I It's corny. Oh, And they're God, stupid. Yeah. But God, I love them. I don't know why. I can't escape them. I'm obsessed with them. I did actually, we watched one while she was here that actually I did not predict the ending of. 
Really? Yeah, I think it's the first time ever that that's happened. Um, I did not predict the ending. I was so blown away. And one of the main characters, very casually, they didn't make a big deal about it. They didn't turn it into like a whole thing where it was like, look at how inclusive we are of LGBTQ. Just very casually, one of the main characters was like, oh, I need to go call my husband. And he, he was gay. But, like, they didn't make a big thing about it. And then, like, later there's a scene with, like, him and his husband at their house. And, like, it was all just very chill. Yeah. And it wasn't a big deal. And I was like, I, I love subtle inclusion yes. of LGBTQ like, characters. Love it. Yeah, because they just, it's, like, always exaggerated and, like, over. And it's like, you don't have to do that. Yeah, like, like and something that I really wish we had more of was just, like, regular queer love stories. Things like Love, Simon and stuff like that. Like, those are all really important because, you know, queer media is queer media and if it's out in the world, that's important. I'm so tired of, like, almost every queer story being a traumatic story. Yeah. Because, like, we deal with enough queer trauma in our everyday lives. We don't need to watch other people go... Like, sometimes it is nice to have that feeling of, like, familiarity of, like, oh, that's what I went through. Cool. But I also just want, like, a chill gay movie where right. like they're not constantly fighting with their inner selves or with the high school bullies or with their parents like i just want two women to just like go on a date right and just enjoy that's themselves and not have to talk it. about like it, it's just that's all i want that's all i want and like they kind of got there in bly manor oh yeah kind of but also not really, because, like, part of the whole thing was that, spoiler alert, if you've not watched The Haunting of Bly Manor, there, this is a slight spoiler. Um, actually, it's kind of a big spoiler. So, like, stop listening for, like, 20 seconds. But, like, you know, the girl whose husband or fiancé dies because she tells him, like, oh, I'm actually gay and I can't marry you. And then immediately he dies and she never gets the chance to come out because she's like, nobody knew that we just broke up because he was my fiancé and now they all think that I'm so yeah. heartbroken and stuff. Like... That was still kind of, you know, whatever. But then she still got, like, the happy love story with the right. woman. And it was great. But, but, her, but her fiancé had to die in a But her fiancé had to die in yeah. a tragic accident as she told him that she was gay. Yeah. Like, it's, it's still queer trauma. You know, still queer trauma. And she never actually came out. And they don't ever talk about what happened to her family, did they? I don't remember, but like, I don't think so. I don't think you ever see, like, once they leave Bly Manor, anything else relating no. to her family. Mm-mm. What are we talking about? Oh, my oh, God. Um, we do this every time. Do they this do this every year. <laughs> I think about that staff. I actually just retweeted something where it was like, the staff lives my, or rent-free in my mind, and that is so true. It's such a beautiful... It's I, so am good. I saying staff? You are saying staff. I think you mean cast. I do. <laughs> my brain no work today. It's like my a marble. No the thing that got me about the hauntings, though, was that once you get to the end of it, it doesn't feel scary anymore. No. Like, once you watch the final, like, scenes, you're like, nothing that I just watched was scary and I am no longer you know, traumatized by I any like, of it. like, my mom had nightmares. Like, it gave my mom nightmares. I didn't, but, mm-hmm. which, I'm scared of, like, ghosts and stuff, so you mm-hmm. would think it would. The only thing that really scared me was the bent neck lady. Okay, see, I did and, have nightmares about the bent neck lady, see, but then once I figured out the story of the bent neck lady, it, it didn't scare me anymore. Yeah. Like, once you figure out, especially, like, the final scene with, like, the red room or the red door room or whatever it was called, the mom, all of that, once it starts explaining everything about the house, it's just not scary to me anymore. Yeah. Like, I, I just, I don't know why. And then we watched it again, and I wasn't scared of anything, and I was actually looking for more <laughs> ghosts, and I just, yeah. I couldn't get jump scared by it anymore, except for that one scene in the car with the two sisters. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. But, okay, so Haunting of Hill House did make me cry. But then we get to Bly Manor. Not only was Bly Manor just so, so beautiful 
and everything about it. God, I might rewatch it. But the ending of it, I asked Fox if we could rewatch it like twice, not that long after we finished it because it was so good. The ending of it, if Hill House made me cry, Bly Manor made me ugly sob. Yeah. And the best part of all of it is that we were watching it while we were playing Dominion with Fox's family. So we finish it and they start trying to talk to me and, and ask sobbing. me questions. <laughs> They're asking me questions about like my next doctor's appointment. And I am ugly sobbing, trying to play the game, trying to pay attention to everything that's happening. And at one point I was like, they're trying to talk to me. And so I just unmute it and I'm like, I'm really sorry. And they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's We're just watching this TV show. God, it's so good. <clears throat> so, so good. So that 20 minutes of rambling was just to say... You should definitely watch The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Blight Manor. Even, even if you don't like scary we were, stuff. What, what shows we were talking about before that. I can't wait to go back and listen. I say that every time. I know. How did we get to this? Uh, Teresa was talking about... You guys were watching Hallmark while you were crocheting. crocheting and, and then her talking about Al Capone and then... <laughs> Anyways, uh, welcome to Hot Messes of History. <laughs> where the hot mess is actually us. Um, but yeah, anyway, very chilly. She was just like, oh yeah, my, uh, so, my Fox's, or Michael so-and-so used to work for Al Capone. Just as chill as you could be. And I was like, Excuse say me? more right now. Like, you know, anyway. Give um, me the tea so I can put it in my podcast, Teresa. Right. <laughs> so anyway, um, from 1924 to 1930, back to the actual content of what this episode's <laughs> supposed to be about. From 1924 to 1930, Chicago became famous for violence and gang-related crime. Of course, this timing coincides with the increasing power and rise of chief crime lord Al, quote, Scarface Capone, who took over for his boss, Johnny Torrio, in 1925. Why did you just put your hand in your mouth? Did you not know that that was Scarface? I literally just realized. <laughs> I am so stupid. You're not stupid. Oh my god. Megan, I thought Kurt Cobain died in a plane crash. But I feel like everyone knows that Al Capone is Scarface. I didn't know that. But also, I, I Well, don't... I didn't know that until... Okay, so when I was in... When did I know that? When I was not a college dropout and still taking criminal justice classes... Mm-hmm. Um, I had to do a report, like my, one of my professors gave us a list Mm -hmm. and was like, write a, do a report on this. Mm -hmm. Um, so Al Capone was on there, but so was Lucky Luciano. So I know a little bit about Lucky Luciano, but Um, I don't know shit about Al Capone. Okay. Amanda's going to listen to this and be like, disowned. Damn it. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I didn't know that. Scarface. First off, I've never seen the Scarface movies. Ever. Me either. Yeah, um, me either. But I didn't know that Scarface and Al Capone were the same person until I was in college, and one of my professors made a joke about it. Okay. And I was that like, oh, Al Capone yeah. is Scarface, and then like I did my own independent research, and then I had like a very minor obsession with the Chicago like mob scene, and I don't really know why. It's interesting. <clears throat> it is interesting. But anyway, so... Um, he took over for his boss, Johnny Torrio, in 1925. Torrio was seriously injured in an assassina- assassination attempt and, quote, retired to Brooklyn. Quote. Yes. Um, so, Prohibition helped fuel the money-making strategies of American gangsters through bootlegging and speakeasies. We talk more about this in our Prohibition episode, which is one of the first episodes we ever did. And still to this day is our second most downloaded episode behind the Titanic. Yeah. Yeah. Bootlegging and speakeasies, not to mention their already lucrative earnings in gambling and prostitution. Now, 
I use the term prostitution here and not sex work because I have a reason. In the scenario, if you know anything about our podcast, you know that we prefer to use the term sex work, not prostitution. But I use it here because in these scenarios, I've read a lot about how the majority of the women involved were not there willingly. And so I don't want to equate valid means of money making through sex work with the trauma that being forced into this kind of work would invariably cause. Right. Um, The women in this time were not typically paid as sex workers are now like through OnlyFans and things like that. Basically what I mean is it wasn't necessarily... It's almost like it's sex trafficking. In a lot of scenarios, yes. And I don't want to say like... I don't want to say that every single woman involved wasn't there willingly, but it wasn't necessarily like a woman saying this is my body and I'm going to use it to do whatever. Like people being strippers or, or like exotic dancers or who have OnlyFans and do stuff like that. Like Those things are done willingly. And they have control over how they make money. When they, It's kind of like, listen, it's kind of like Pretty Woman. <laughs> have you ever seen Pretty Woman? No. Okay. Pretty Woman is about a sex worker who meets this guy and then they like fall in love. And it's actually like kind of a problem. It's not really a problematic movie, but it's like, it's like Richard Gere and Julia Roberts. They like kind of fall in love and mm-hmm. then Richard Gere's business partner or something tries to like sexually assault her and then he comes in guns a blazing and it's like you can't touch my woman and then they'll like fall madly in love there's a lot to it there's a lot of like classism in it It it's still like a relatively good movie but it's kind of like it's kind of like friends where like it's good but you look at it in the light of like 2021 and you're like oh no we could do better as a society you know what i mean i mean i'll still watch it it's a good movie but basically she has this rule i decide who i decide where I decide when, and I decide how. That's not, like, a direct quote, but she's basically like, I do this, but th- I have control of every single yeah. part of what I'm doing. And so that's kind of, like, how I view, like, that is sex work. I decide when, mm-hmm. where, how, whatever. Prostitution is not something, like, it's, it is it is kind of sex, or it is sex trafficking. Like, if you're brought into it unwillingly, or you're co- co- coerced into it, like, if you think that you have control and you don't actually, like, I've read so much stuff about how, like, Al Capone was basically just a glorified pimp who made illegal booze and then killed a bunch of people because that's pretty much what he did is yeah. he got women into a circle and then he, he controlled where they went. He controlled how much money they made or who they made their money from. And I don't like using the term sex work for that because sex work is a valid thing that people use to make a living. And I don't want to like equate it with that kind of trauma. So that's why I say prostitution. Don't come for me. All right. Anyway, moving on. Um, Capone's income from these things was estimated to be about $60 million a year in the 1920s. Uh, did you put the number in there or should we do some quick math? We can do it. His income was estimated to be about 60 million a year and his net worth in 1927 was about a hundred million. So if he made about $60 million a year, that's back almost a hundred. Oh, that's almost a billion dollars. Yeah, it's almost a billion dollars. $903 million. Um, so over time, Capone consolidated control over much of most of the Chicago crime network by killing his rivals. In 1924, authorities had counted about 16 gang-related murders, and this killing continued until 1929, reaching 64 murders in one year. God. One year. That's... In the year 1929, 64... More than... 64 murders in one year. That's more than one a week. Yeah. Just in gang-related, like, mob-related crime. Um, So back then, federal jurisdiction did not include Chicago's gang-related activity, uh, meaning that the FBI couldn't do a damn thing about it. So now we'll 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 circle back to um, the Valentine's Day Massacre. So the gang war reached its gruesome peak on February 14th, 1929. The aforementioned Bugs Moran that we talked about 
ran his bootlegging out of a garage at the, again, aforementioned garage at um, 2122 North Clark Street in Chicago. So early that morning, seven men associated with Moran's operation were killed execution style, standing lined up shoulder to shoulder facing the wall of the garage. Approximately 70 rounds of ammunition were fired from two Tommy guns and a 12-gauge shotgun. Jeez Louise. Going back to the shotgun. Yep. When police arrived, they found one man, Frank Gusenberg, shot 14 times but still alive. So, Frank Gusenberg, I think is... I'd have to go back and check. If I'm wrong, don't come for me. But there was a guy there who just owned the garage. He was the guy who owned and operated it. He did, like, repair work out of it. And he let Bugs Moran do his bootlegging out of it, right? Um, I think that's Frank Gusenberg. I'm like 90% sure that's him. Um, but regardless, if that's not him, the guy who owned the garage also had a dog. All right. A big, like, I think it was a German shepherd, beautiful dog. There are pictures of it on the mob museum website. Um, but whenever they got there, uh, and they started questioning witnesses, which we'll get to, they were said to have heard a lot of gunfire and a dog just like screaming, like whining. But When police arrived, they found the dog chained to, like, a tire on the truck that was parked inside the garage. Um, still alive. But, like, sitting there in this, like, massive blooded body. So they sacrificed the dog. Not sacrificed, but, like, they spared. Oh, they they spared. Yeah. They they spared the dog. Um, thank goodness. But, like, that poor guy had to sit there with all of these people, including his owner, and be like, why aren't you awake? Which I, I cried a little bit about that. But anyway, um... So when they arrived, they found one man, Frank Gusenberg. I can't remember if he's the guy who owned the garage. I kind of want to say he was, but who's to say? Um, He was shot 14 times, but he was still alive. So now there's conflicting information about what Gusenberg said here. Um, So some sources say that he said nothing. They arrived. He was still alive. He didn't speak. Period. He died. Whatever. Um, But there are some other sources that said... That whenever they arrived, police started pressing him for information, and he said cops did it. Because the guys who were there they were, were dressed, dressed in police gear. Yeah. They were dressed in police gear, I think, to try and, like, not, you know, bring suspicion to what they were doing. Um, so some sources say that he said cops did it, but then provided no other details. Like, refused to say anything else. Um, those same accounts state that he then said, for God's sake, get me to a hospital, and then died without saying anything else. So nobody actually knows what he said or... Um, I, I feel like... So what I feel like happened is that, like, the sources that say that Frank Gusenberg didn't talk said that he refused to give details about what exactly happened, which isn't entirely different from the sources who say that they said... That he said cops did it and then provided no more information because the ones that are like, oh, he wouldn't give any information about the details of the case. Like, what they might mean is that he made, like, this one comment and then... Know. Yeah, but there were multiple sources that I saw that say this exact thing about him saying, like, cops said it, and then, for God's sake, get me to a hospital. So, I think it's perfectly reasonable that both sources are saying the same thing. They're just saying it differently. But I wanted to go ahead and put that caveat of conflicting information just in case I'm getting something wrong, you know? Um, So, there were very few eyewitnesses, or at least people who were willing to admit that they were eyewitnesses because they knew that that was Bugs Moran's operation. Um... But eventually, they uh, police learned that the gunmen dressed as police officers had entered the garage and pretended to be arresting the men. Um, Moran immediately... For the bootlegging. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So they showed up, basically, and were like, hey, this is an illegal operation. Line up. We're going to arrest you. My brain just, for some reason, could not understand, like, why are they just arresting him? And then I was like, oh, 
He's illegally... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All of the men that were there were related to Bugs Brand's operations somehow. Yeah. Okay. Crime, bootlegging, all of that. The garage is just specifically where they, like... Operated out of. Yeah. Gotcha. Um... So, eventually learned that the gunmen dressed as police officers had entered the garage and pretended to be arresting the men, lining them up along the wall, face first, shoulder to shoulder, and then shot them execution style. So, Moran immediately blamed the massacre on Capone's gang. Capone himself claimed to have been at his home in Dade County, Florida, now known as Miami-Dade County, and also alarmingly close to where I was born. No one was ever brought... Also, apparently, like, his mansion is still standing. Oh, really? Like, on Palm Island does someone, in Miami. Does someone live there? So, I, I couldn't find anything specific about it. Some people say that it's a private residence. Some people say that it's kind of like... Like a museum, maybe? I don't think it's a museum, but there are some people who say that it's kind of like... Like how in LA you can go on those like driving tours of all the stars' homes where you can like drive outside them and see them. That's Um, terrible. I know. But I'm pretty sure it is a private residence. It was weird because like TripAdvisor had a thing about it being like it worded it like it was an attraction, but then whenever you look up like Google image photos of it, there are a bunch of like private property and no trespassing signs. So I don't really know. Um, but it's still standing in Miami-Dade County, and the pictures of it are lovely. I was just wondering <laughs> if it was kind of something similar to, like, Thomas Jefferson's like, yeah, house I, that's here. I don't think it's been turned into something quite like that. That would be cool. Um, it would be really cool to enter it and see. But um, So, no one was ever brought to trial for the murders. Not just that nobody was ever convicted, but nobody was even brought to trial because they couldn't confirm anything. Um, fun fact, Moran was actually on his way to the garage in Chicago at the time of the massacre. He missed it by minutes. Oh. Yeah. Um, a few days later, he told reporters, quote, only Capone kills like that. When they reached out to Capone in Florida for comment on the murders, he said, quote, the only man who kills like that is Bugs Moran. Which I just thought was, like, the funniest thing ever. These, like, two guys that are like, oh. only he does it like that. And everyone's like, only he does it like that. But, you know, I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm kind of inclined to believe that Al Capone would kind of just own up to it. I mean, maybe not, but also, like... I don't think he would own up to it. it, well, it well, we'll get there. Okay. Um, Al Capone was dealing with some other shit at the time. So, and I don't think he'd ever own up to anything, because, like, his whole thing was that he didn't that's want fair. to get okay. in trouble. That, yeah, but... that's fair. I guess I don't mean that he would, like, own up to it, but I think that, like... I don't really know. I don't really know how to explain what You would I mean. think that he'd be at least, like, a little bit proud of himself if yeah. he had managed to. Yeah. But also, there's no, like, there's no motive for why. Because it's not like he shut down. It's not like Bugs Moran himself was killed. Or that yeah, it was his just entire gang, it him. was just seven men. Just seven of his men. Not even, like, his whole little mini army of mobsters. It was seven men in a garage. What were they talking about? Why were they there? What Because Bugs Moran was on his way to the meeting, is it possible that maybe he was the target, but they got there too early, and then they were like, well, what are we going to do? Wait for him to show up? You know, because if he wasn't going to walk in, if he saw cars outside, he didn't recognize. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, they're just black SUVs, but still. There, there's no there's no reason for the murder. There's no apparent motive for the murder. There's no, like, there's no way to pin it on Capone, but then also no way to pin it on the individual people that he might have sent if it was him. Right. Like, could it have been him? Absolutely. But is there really any way to, like, no? Yeah. No. Because, it, like, there's not even a reason for it. There's there's nothing. The only reason that anybody could think of was, like, oh, well, Capone was just trying to get to Bugs Moran, which is, like, 
totally valid. But as we'll come to learn later, he was dealing with his own shit at the time. So I don't really like, do I believe that it was probably Capone? Sure. But could it have not been? Absolutely. We don't, we don't know. Yeah. I don't know where I stand with it yet. I guess we'll see. I'll I'll have an opinion by the time we're done. Yeah. Um, (laughs) so in fast forward a little bit to 1967, the garage was set to be demolished, but in (laughs) the article that I pulled this from called him an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur named George Patey. Recovered bricks from it, over th- and over 300 of them are on display at the National Museum of Organized Crime and Law Enforcement, a.k.a. the Mob Museum, in downtown Las Vegas. You know what? I really would like to visit that. For some reason, I really just mob history. Yeah, I think it's like, so it's fascinating. So, it really is. Like, I would love... I also just really love history. Like, Oh, yeah. So, post-COVID, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to Las Vegas. We're going to go to this museum. We're going to go to Hell's Kitchen, and then that's going to be it. That's going to be the whole trip. One museum and one restaurant, and we're good to go. <laughs> that's like That sounds like a plan. That sounds like a plan. Let's go. Um, whenever we have money and COVID's not a thing. So, probably never. <laughs> <laughs> www.patreon.com slash history. I am, I am so broke, it's not even funny. Mom, if you're listening to this, I'm, I'm fine. But I... Yeah. So, I, this, if this stimmy comes through for me, I, that would be really, really nice. <laughs> for both Fox and myself. So this one guy, the garage was supposed to be demolished. This one guy went in, stole over 300 of the bricks and sold them to this museum. Um, the website, I mentioned it earlier. I didn't really take a whole lot of information about the crime from the website, but I wanted to list it just so I remember to tell you guys. The website has photos of the wall where you can see the bullet holes. Mm. Um, you can still see stains in the brick from the blood. They have like kind of dramatized it a little bit and like put red paint right. on like some of them. But there you can tell that like... Mm. That some of it's paint splattered. Well, some of it is paint and some of it's just like actual blood spatter. Like it's it's crazy. Um, you can see the bullet holes. You, it also has a lot of other like really interesting resources regarding mob crime and specifically the Valentine's Day massacre. Um, but I will say, um, fair warning, the photos listed there of the crime scene are very gruesome. So view at your own risk. I didn't actually mean to look at them. You know me, I'm not really a big crime scene person. Um, but they just appeared as I was reading through some of the information on the website and my delicate disposition was pretty offended. Um, uh, yeah, like you're just scrolling. I was scrolling, reading about the wall and I was just like, oh yeah, this is really interesting. There's pictures of the wall and then boom, just like bloody dead bodies. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, um, so if you aren't the kind of person who can handle stuff like that, just be careful. Um, but it does have some really cool information on it. If you're interested, <clears throat> I will say though. My favorite article that I read about the massacre, it's published by Chicago Magazine, which I mentioned earlier. And it's not just an article. It's actually an excerpt from the book, Get Capone, which was written by Jonathan Egg? Egg? E-I-G? Um, it's, it's spelled E-I-G. Um, it has amazing exposition. It reads beautifully. Um, that's pretty much all we're going to talk about relating to the Valentine's Day massacre. But now we're going to talk about the fall of Scarface. Um, the Valentine's Day Massacre mostly marked the end of significant gang opposition to Capone's rule in Chicago, but it also kind of signaled the beginning of his downfall. Because everybody was pretty much convinced that he was responsible for it, um, nobody really wanted to oppose him in terms of who is the big dog in crime in Chicago. Um, but it also started quite a bit of other stuff that went into, um, him losing all of his power. I almost said the fall of Rome, but that's not <laughs> not entirely off the mark, but also not true. Um, so he had an impressive income, amazing organizational skills. He was ruthless enough that he was able to take out his rivals and become the country's most notorious gangster, and newspapers called him public enemy number one. Um, in March tw- 1929, Capone was subpoenaed to appeal in front of a federal grand jury. Um, the article didn't elaborate, but I imagine that it was about... The murders. 
Okay. Um, so he was the, on Valentine's Day. So he was subpoenaed to appeal in front of, or to appear in front of a federal grand jury, but he did not show up. Um, federal th- authorities then had the go ahead to begin investigating him. And when he finally appeared and testified, he was arrested for contempt of court. Mm. So all of that, everything that he had done, what did he get arrested for? Contempt, contempt of court. Um, of course, he posted bond and was released, but then he was arrested in Philadelphia that May on charges of carrying concealed weapons. So at this point, they're like, listen, we know that you've done shit, but we're the FBI and we can't do anything about gang violence in Chicago. And the Chicago PD obviously wasn't going to do anything about it either. So we're just going to catch you on literally everything else that we possibly can right. to try and get you in. Um, so he was arrested in Philadelphia that May on charges of... Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to be up here. She's like, I just wanted to talk about Al Capone. <laughs> I, too, am an evil monster. No. <laughs> so when he was arrested um, on charges of carrying concealed weapons, he served nine months in prison, and then he was released for good behavior. So then fast forward to February 1931, a federal court found Capone guilty on the previous contempt of court charge, and he was sentenced to six months in Cook County Jail in Chicago. So while all of this was happening, these just like little petty crimes that they could get him for like six months here, nine months here, whatever. While all this was happening, the U.S. Treasury Department had launched an investigation of Capone for income tax evasion. Of course. How does one pay income taxes on illegal activities? I don't know. I need more information on this. I don't understand. Like, was it because he was making so much money and he wasn't putting anything back into the government? They were like, hey, you're either doing something illegal to get the money or you're doing something legal. I I don't know exactly how he was laundering his money that he should have been paying taxes on it, but he wasn't. I need more information on it. I didn't do more research on it. That was just me being dumb. Um, so anyway. You're not dumb. You're very, very rigid brain. I just, I had read so much about this at this point that I was like, you know what? I don't care. I just, I, I mean, I do care, but I'm, I'm, I'm very tired and I have no money. <laughs> and when I did this outline, I was very sad boy. Um, so special agent Frank Wilson was able to use dil- diligent forensic accounting, which that's a thing. I, can I do that with an accounting degree? Forensic accounting? That would be cool. That would be cool as shit, dog. Um. Anyway, to put together a case, and in June 1931, um, Capone was indicted for evasion of federal income tax. He was convicted that October after an internationally publicized trial, and he was sentenced to 11 years in prison, first uh, served in Atlanta, and then later at Alcatraz. So after all of this, years of being, like, Chicago's biggest crime boss ever, he was convicted (laughs) of tax fraud, evasion of federal income tax. And sentenced to 11 years in prison. They had to get him on tax evasion. Wild. Absolutely wild. That's... He murdered how many people a year? 64? Well, in, in 1929, it was 64 people in that one year. Yeah. So who knows how many people overall he actually killed. Oh, yeah. And he's in... He, he served jail time for tax fraud. Yeah. It's insane. Very cool. It's insane. Which, I mean, I guess there was nothing at that time that they could do. Their hands were tied. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, this is the FBI, not the Chicago PD, which a lot of what we learned about Prohibition made the, sh- the local police departments pretty sketchy in and of themselves. Yeah. And you know that they were getting paid big money. Like, there was so much happening all over the country in that time, but particularly in Chicago, I right. feel like. Um, so he, he was um, indicted in... June of 1931. He was convicted in October of 1931. He was released. He was sentenced to 11 years, but he was released in 1939. 
And all the article said was he was released in 1939, but died an invalid recluse at his Florida home in 1947. That's all it said. I was like, what? First off, why was he released early? Second off, how did he go? Was it good behavior? It's not actually stated, but here's some wild shit. I have a theory about why. This is the craziest part of his entire life. Are you ready for this? Do you know anything about how Al Capone died? No. Cool. I'm Plane crash. Plane-, <laughs> Plane crash. No. I'm about to blow your mind because this blew my mind. I did not know this until I did this outline. Oh, God. Yeah. I knew a lot about, like, how he was arrested and, like, the tax fraud stuff and all that crazy stuff. Um, but I did not know anything about he died. And this blew my mind. Craziest part of this whole story. Are you ready? Yes. So after years of being a feared and powerful crime boss, what killed Al Capone? Take a guess. Um... I'm gonna. I want to say some kind of infection from a spider bite. From a spider bite? Yep. No. <laughs> it's an STD. Ah. Yep. That's right. Unsafe sex killed Al Capone. After he killed. I shall explain. All right. Syphilis, <sighs> in its heightened and untreated form, can develop into something called tertiary syphilis. It happens around 15% of the time, and it literally eats its way into your nervous system and can cause paralysis, dementia-like symptoms, blindness, pretty much anything related to your nervous system, tertiary syphilis will eat. Literally, it eats through your nervous system into your brain. Syphilis. Look, it's not funny. funny. But it's funny that he... Okay, it's not funny. But also, think about the fact that how many people he killed and syphilis is what killed this man. Unsafe sex. But for it to get to this point, like, it has, it takes a long time. So he had syphilis. And he had syphilis for God knows how long before it developed into Al tertiary Capone syphilis. Had syphilis. Yeah. Which, Al syphilis, syphilis is like a, I, now, I read, I, listen, I read a lot more than I ever thought I'd ever read about, about syphilis, syphilis relating to all of this. It's, it's super treatable. I was gonna say, it's literally, it, it's one of the easiest STDs to treat. Yeah. I remember whenever we did like our ex- it's just pitiful excuse for sex ed in school. And they talked about, basically all they told us were was anything that starts with an H is incurable. Anything else is not that big of a deal. But you'll still go to hell because whatever. Um, unsafe sex. Unsafe sex. Sex in general, bad. They, they, sex. Listen, the, the organization that my school hired to come in, they didn't even teach us about it in school. The organization that my school brought in to teach sex ed, which was just abstinence, which abstinence is not sex ed. If you're telling kids not to do it, they're just going to look it up on Tumblr and then they're just going to be scarred for life. It, teach your kids what they need to know before they go to the internet and learn about it from unsafe places. You want to hear a really funny story? I do. So, like, when I was in, I had to have been elementary school, like, going into, like, fifth sixth grade so I was a little older um I would look on YouTube but I was one of the cool kids who didn't spell out my words so I would use you and I typed in you tube into a browser <gasps> and I pulled up porn no yep it wasn't oh blocked God. I accidentally pulled up porn and then I also when I worked at the restaurant that I worked at for the longest uh-huh. I was changing the it was like a game day or something and I was changing one of the channels and oh, accidental no. like luckily we weren't we didn't pay for those channels but right. had we paid for those channels there would have been porn on the flat screen TVs oh, in the party my room god but oh. my favorite memory is accidentally pulling up porn in fifth grade on the computer in, in the computer lab. Yep, that's amazing. <laughs> One time I um accidentally pulled up porn. Um there is a website <laughs> 
Um, I was in the living room sitting next to my father oh, in our house. And, hi, Dad. Yeah, hi, Dad. Um, I think I was in eighth grade, um, and my school did, like, an eighth grade prom, right? So I was looking at, like, ideas for prom dresses and stuff like that, and there was a website that one of my friends had used to get her prom dress, which I ended up using the dress that I wore, and I was a bridesmaid in my parents' wedding, um, and I ended up wearing that dress. But, like, I, you know, I was excited about prom, and I, wanted, right. I knew I wasn't going to buy one, but I wanted to, look, wanted at, to look. I wanted to look at the $800 dresses exactly. that people wore. I knew I wasn't going to buy one, but I wanted to look at them. So the website was prom.com. I, anybody who knows me knows that I am a terrible typist. Oh, no. I typed in prawn, P-R-O-N.com. Prawn.com is a porn site. And so little eighth grade me was sitting there like, I want to look at the pretty prom dresses sitting next to my dad in the living room. Type it in, open it up. And of course, the very first video that pops up whenever you, or the very first screen that pops up whenever you open it has a video with sound. So I'm sitting there with my dad. We're watching probably some Western on TV. I don't even know. And then what's happening? All the noises. All the noises. And I literally threw my computer across the couch and looked at my dad and was like, I don't. And he was just like, what did you do? And he went and he picked it up and he was like, Crystal. And I was like, I was trying to look at prom.com and it didn't pull up prom.com. And he was like, and he was trying to close it and everything. But God, I was so traumatized. Basically. Teach your kids, because they're going to find out somewhere, and you might as well be the one to tell them how it works. So, oh, um, don't let them be preyed on by older men whenever they're younger, if they're girls, or older women, if they're boys. Also. Or young, anybody. If anybody can be above age, just stay away from minors. How about that? If you are of age, just stay away from freaking minors. I literally cannot. It pisses me off so bad. I just want to... Yeah. Any pedophile just... Bop, bop, bop. And I'd do it again. And I'd do it again. Bop, bop, bop. That's the only time you're allowed to... Hit people. Stop grooming 13-year-olds, you nasty bitches. Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry. Sorry that we went on a little tangent about pedophiles, but yeah. pedophiles are gross. Courtney killed Kurt. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Courtney is not Carol Baskin. <laughs> if there's anything you need, if there's anything that this has taught you, that's it. So, anyway, um, oh, back to what we were talking about in terms of, like, sex ed. My school, the organization that my school brought in to teach us about sex ed, which was literally just don't do it and you're going to go to hell if you do because I went to school in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Um, They literally sold (laughs) t-shirts. T-shirts, right? I mean, I don't even know what it says and I just know know that I need one. (laughs) It's t-shirts and it has a pair of jeans on it, right? And it says pants. Keep them on. I am not shitting you. How do I get it? How do I get... Oh, my God. I don't know. A couple of kids that I went to school with bought them as, like, a joke because we all well, knew right. it was a massive joke. I would but... definitely buy that and probably wear it. I, I'm not probably. I would wear that proudly. Yeah. It said pants. Keep them on. God, I love shit posting. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. Uh, pretty much anything relating to your nervous system, syphilis, um, and its heightened form, tertiary syphilis, will eat through. Uh, which is another thing to say that if you are sexually active and you feel that something is not right, please go to a doctor. Because even though this is this is super treatable now, super treatable. I was reading a lot about syphilis while I was looking this up thinking like, I guarantee you someone in my life that I know has had syphilis yeah. at some point. And as far as I know, nobody that I know has ever died from it. Um, it's literally, it can be treated with like a week's worth of antibiotics. I was going to say, they, most of the time they just give you a week's worth of antibiotics. And, and you're good to go. Your way. Yeah. yeah that's, that's all it can, that's all it takes now. Um, but back then it wasn't as widely known. And of course Al Capone was in like jail and just didn't, you know, he was Al Capone. He was untouchable. It was a different time. It was yeah. a very different time. 
Um, he went so long without being treated that by the time he sought treatment for his symptoms, his syphilis was in its end stages and he was experiencing a full breakdown of his central nervous system. He was known for walking around the prison with a loopy smile on his face. He was well into the worst stages of dementia. Um, he, How old was he when he died? N- not very old. Um, I mean, he was only... Hold on. I didn't do much about when he was born. He was only like 30, I think, whenever he was arrested the first time. Yeah, so he was born in 1899. So when he was arrested, he was only... Whenever he went to jail, he was only 32. Yeah, because he was born January 17th, 1899. Oh, wow. That was a happy late birthday. When was his birthday? January 17th. Oh. 1899. So whenever he was arrested, he was only... He was released in 1939, died in 1947. So he was 40... He died January 25th, 1947, so just a little bit after his 48th birthday. Wow. He was very young, yeah. But from 1939 to 1947, he literally just sat in his house by himself. He served eight years in jail, and then they let him out. And he, like, he was... Just decided he no longer wanted to kill people? Very good. He couldn't. Like, he didn't... Hit, like, he had no control over his mind. Yeah. He... It, it was, like, basically late-stage Alzheimer's. Complete, complete and dementia. This... He was losing um, control of his, like, his speech. He couldn't speak. His his limbs weren't working. Like, again, his entire central nervous system was shut down. I'm not saying he deserved to die, but all I'm saying is karma is real. And... I'm not saying karma's real. I'm just saying she's a bitch. She did her magic. Yeah, like... I think that if I if I passed Al Capone on the street, I would be terrified. You know, he kind of looks like John Wayne, Gain- John Wayne Gacy. No, he does Just a little bit. In that picture down just a little bit, he did look like John Wayne Gacy. I see it. I see it. Okay, I can kind of see it in this one of John Wayne Gacy and this one of Al Capone. It's not like a, a s- super similar... They might be like sixth cousins. Twice removed. So that's pretty much it. That's uh, Al Capone and the Valentine's Day Massacre. Very interesting. I, I still don't know how I feel about if Al Capone t- did it, tit, it, did it, did it. Um, I think it's, like you said, it's probably, it's a possibility. You know, I'm going to say something kind of controversial. I don't really care. <laughs> like I, it, That's fair. That's fair. Like, it, it's not going to... We're not ever going to know. Yeah, it it's, doesn't change anything. It doesn't change anything. And also, like, it. I mean, I care because those people died and that is sad. But it's kind of like... Look, I'm not losing... Like, Chicago s- PD obviously wasn't going to do anything about it. I was going to say, and look, I'm not losing sleep over not knowing if Al Capone did the Valentine's Day Massacre. Yeah, exactly. Like, I care because those people had families and exactly. lives and any kind I, of loss of life is sad. I care because it's history and history is very important but also if Al Capone didn't do it that's great. If he did do it then... That sucks. Like he it, nobody went to jail for it. It's not like I need to be up in arms about somebody being wrongfully convicted and honestly like it's not something I'm going to lose sleep over like yeah I mean nobody like John Bonet. No, right. <laughs> I'm not. Right. Nobody I, was convicted. Nobody was wrongfully convicted. Like it... I agree with you. I just... I don't know. And like, I, it sucks. Do we... Is it? Is it definitely mob-related? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Like, and that's, and I think that's why I don't care, because I am not interested in entering myself into any kind of mob-related anything. I like to I like to know it from a distance. Yeah. I'll, I'll read the articles, but, like, I'm not trying to involve myself in any way, shape, or form. Exactly. 
Because that shit's scary. Okay, so that's pretty much it for this episode. A little bit of housekeeping. Um, I actually changed my social medias, so pay attention. Oh, did oh you did? I did. I changed my social medias because I really want to start streaming. So I can't wait for you too. I decided that I was going to change all of my socials to be the same thing. You know what? As my streaming name, so that way it's more cohesive. You can follow me on Instagram, and I don't think I've changed my Twitter handle yet, but I'm going to today if I haven't already. It is Gravity Crystal underscore because gravity crystal is already taken so it's gravity crystal underscore um you can follow the podcast at hmh podcast on both instagram and twitter you can email us at hmhpodcast at gmail.com you can find us on patreon at www.patreon.com slash hot messes of history and where can they find you um twitter (laughs) twitter swallow your fear right yeah swallow swallow your your fear and then we also have a facebook page oh yeah that's um, right that is just hmh podcast i believe um and that we don't moderate that's just like a fan page you can like and engage yourself in yeah and then we also have a group that we do moderate we have a couple different um moderators as well uh we kind of just discuss the podcast and discuss other things it's it's really fun it's really cool community so if you look um, on facebook it's hot Hot messes of history history. discussion and updates yeah i think so um i'll probably end up shorting it eventually but um we'll do something with it it'll be fine yeah um it's a really fun community you can we we engage with everybody it's a lot of fun so yeah uh you can follow us there Mm -hmm. um i think that's it all right um so Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, We love you. And we hope that you got to give love to somebody. Even if it's not romantic love, love comes in all forms. And we hope that you were nice to a barista or called your best friend. Yes. And we love you. And we'll be your best friends. Call us. Yeah, please. please. Email us. Please. (laughs) I'm so lonely all the time. (laughs) And remember to question everything. And don't forget to cite your shit. Yep. And Wash your damn hands. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wash I'm your sick damn of hands. saying this to you. Please just, I'm so done with COVID. Please just wash your hands and wear a damn mask. I'm not, I'm not arguing this with you. I'm so done with COVID. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>